This week's podcast is sponsored by Jolly Bodger's Piratical Outfitters, who offer a wide range of parrots, wooden legs, cutlasses, eye patches, tricorns, and beard beads. Whether you're a buccaneer, privateer, or tyrannical scourge of the seas, Jolly Bodger has you covered. It seems to me that the young people have started dressing as pirates recently. They seem to consider it fashionable to wear eye patches and ridiculous hats. What's wrong with a simple robe with gold lace filigree and a vaulted collar? That's what I want to know. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am, as always, your host, Morris, and with me is my ebullient yet enthusiastic co-host, Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, I'm completely delighted to be here. Uh, I appeared on another podcast. Did you? Yes, I cheated again. Ah, you monster. So I was on the Mud and Blood podcast, which came out last Wednesday, I think it was. I can't remember when it was actually released, but I recorded it the week before. Um, so I talked to the guys over at Mud and Blood uh, for about an hour, mainly about Judge Dredd and the Wars of 2000 AD. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a really good, fun podcast to listen to. And if you're interested in hearing a bit more about or just hearing my dulcet tones elsewhere... Um, yeah, check out the Mud and Blood podcast and we'll stick that link in the show notes. Fantastic. Can you tell me a bit more about Mud and Blood? Who are they? Uh, so one of them is a British guy and one of them is a guy in New Zealand. And they do a podcast uh-huh. which is mainly about, they, they like sort of gritty settings. Ooh, so okay. they do quite a lot on Warhammer and um, various mm, different sort of, mm. sort of darker, grittier settings. Um, it's a fairly yeah. new podcast, so on episode 20. Okay. So they're like just ahead of us by a couple of weeks. Fantastic. By, by one week, I think. Yeah, something they, like must, they must have started the same the week before we did. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, they were a lovely pair of guys. Um, chatted for an hour or so about the subject. Um, mm-hmm. They had Ken Height on the week before me. Nice. So they're getting some decent guests on. And you. And, and, and me. Decent <laughs> guests. And then I, oh, oh, I let the show down. <laughs> oh, oh, just a moment, on, so what can I say? Oh, wow. Well. No, it's, uh, yeah, so they've got some... Um, yeah, so yeah, check out that podcast if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Peter. Yes, mate. I have a question for you. Go on then. It's an important question. Is it? No. Okay. Then then you may proceed, sir. You may it, proceed. It is a question nonetheless, though. Ah, a question for me. How exciting. The question is... Yes? What has caught your eye in the world of RPGs this week? Oh, the thing that has caught my eye in the world of RPGs this week has been an article from a site called... And I quote, wizardthieffighter.com, which in addition to having a fantastic name, is also a great source of RPG material. Wizard Thief Fighter. I know, it's a very first set, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> so what it is, is it's sort of a different way to prep your adventures. Ooh, I'm interested. No, no. Well, I'm a big man for running theatre of the mind, mm. but having maps is undeniably useful. But you know what I don't have time for? Um, I imagine there are many, many, many things that you don't have time for. Will you let me start listing them? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. Maps. Right. I don't have time to draw out a map and have all sorts of things done in advance. I like to sort of prepare it as I go along. Okay. What this particular article that I was looking at, which is Schematic Diagram Dungeons and the Gollum Warehouse. So what they've done here is they've created... A sort of a diagrammatic approach to adventure design. 
Okay. And yeah. that, what does that mean? Well, what it is, is rather than like drawing out a, a proper map of a place, mm. you sort of reduce it to its base concepts. Right. So you can annotate it. So you have like a simple axle hub and spoke dungeon sort of thing. So you've got like a little box. And you know that an encounter going to happen there, but the box itself doesn't have to be the correct size. Right. So you're not like making it the right size for the room and so forth. Uh, you're just like getting the bits that need to go in there. So you want like secret doors, you can put those on and essentially you can sketch out, just use it. It, it almost looks a little bit like an electrical diagram, but it's mm. basically a conceptual map. Which hooks up like all a the flow charts sort of thing. Yeah, like a flow chart. Because oh, okay. that's how people go through it. Yeah, like yeah. You, 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 in fact, it's literally the flow chart approach to preparation. They go, which is perfect for dungeons specifically, mm. because you go to here, you make a decision, you go that way, you go that way. That makes sense to me. Yeah, um, and it's just like a, a way to reduce the preparation time. Because rather than having to faff around with other stuff, you can just concentrate on things you want. And make sure you've got like a couple of random tables to help you generate it out. And yeah, I can see that being a really quick way to to generate a, a session. Cool. Yeah, I liked it. Sounds good. Caught my eye. Uh, how about you, sir? What caught your eye? Hmm. Well, I have been perusing the world of D&D esports. D&D esports? Hmm. That is a thing. I remember that there was something like... D&D sports came up like the other day and then there's another one called RPG sports or something. So, yeah, so it was last week or was it two weeks ago, fairly recently, yeah. um, this website appeared called dndsports.tv. I, I think it might have been as long ago as a month or so, to be fair. Was it? Yeah, D&D sports because we've done several episodes since. But yeah, I remember D&D Sports. Okay. I'm oh, uh, oh, sorry, I interrupt. Please continue. Anyway, uh, so this is sort of like competitive D&D play, live streamed with like a grand prize of $5,000. Yeah, yeah, which is good money for playing games. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like headed up by D&D Beyond, which is like yeah. the official toolkit um, licensed from Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, yeah. No, I... And a streaming outfit called Encounter Roleplay. Oh, yeah, so. Uh, uh, so, yeah, they, they announced that, and there was, you know, obviously a sort of Ferrari online where mm-hmm. some people said, oh, that sounds quite interesting. Some people said, oh, I don't care. And some people said, this is the worst thing that ever, ever happened in the entire world. I'm never going to <laughs> utter the words D&D again. <laughs> that, oh, yes, because I think a lot of it went back to when they had the president of Hasbro online. And he said esports. That's for... when we first mentioned it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's 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 when the concept was sort of mentioned. But this yeah. is, this one was actually announced, I think, about a week ago. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. But uh, mysteriously, over the week, they changed their name. What? And they went from D and D sports to RPG sports. And now, oh, okay. if you go to D and D sports TV, it redirects to RPG sports TV. Ah, and they've got this nice little um, announcement on their site which says why they changed. And basically what they're saying is they changed because they wanted to expand and cover more than just D&D. And what other people are saying is, I wonder if Wizards of the Coast had a word. <laughs> Don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Better D&D, better D&D sports than C&D sports? I don't know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I figured we'd do a, a topic of the week on that, sort yes. of in a week or two maybe. So, shall we do a dance? Oh, yes, let's. I like dances. Or, yeah. shall we do the news? Um, or a dance? Uh, or the news? Can we do the news through interpretive dance? I insist on Morris dancing. 
Wow, nice. He would. <laughs> <laughs> but where will I get the bells and sticks? Hey, nolly, nolly, and away. But after this brief musical break, which you will in no way be able to find in the Patreon. Well, we, we should probably talk about the news well, the, because see, this is a news podcast. The, the, the fortunate thing yes. is, although the, the listeners can't see us, yes. we are both now dancing our way through the news. <laughs> that's um, so, 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 <laughs> listeners, you know, uh, as you listen to us do the news, imagine we're dancing because that is what we're doing. Yes, and certainly it's a sight to behold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying two left feet, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, shall we do? Shall we actually do some news? Huzzah! Yeah, let's actually do some news. I think we should start with Ravnica. Ravnica, Ravnica, Ravnica. Rings bells. Um, no, that's our Morris dancing. <laughs> He'll be here all night. Anyway, uh, Ravnica. <laughs> I'm quite proud of it. Ah, uh, there's, there's nothing. The nothing says you would like watching you laugh at your own jokes. First. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Ravnica. Ravnica. So Ravnica is coming as out as in Guildmaster's Guide, not Guildmaster's Guide Yes. Yes. Uh, it's coming out in a week or two. Yes. And um, various bits and pieces have been leaking out on the internet. Ooh. Pieces of various types. Uh, so the biggest thing to leak out appeared on Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, where the I don't know if it's leaks, more of a release of information. I think no. it's, it's official. Um, where two pages appeared, mm-hmm. and those two pages were the table of contents mm-hmm. and the first page of the character creation chapter. Uh, anyway, um, so so contents page has its traditional leaked. With uh, Sapphire's Guide to Everything. Yeah, so we'll stick a link in the show notes so you can look at both of those pages. But uh, as a very brief summary, um, yeah. you can glean from that what, um, what what's in the book. Yes. So very briefly, uh, races, confirmed yes. now for certain, uh-huh. are Centaur, yep. Minotaur, Simic Hybrid, and Vidalcan. Uh-huh. I think we pretty much knew that anyway, but uh-huh. it's nice to see it right there on the table of contents. Uh, subclasses, um, Clerics of Order and Druids of Spores. Yep, yep. And then we've uh, got, Druids of Spores got a nearly an intentional release, do you think? Yeah, it was Nathan Stewart who's um He's uh, holding up a book incautiously in front of a camera. Yes, yeah. Well he's 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 like one of the top dogs over at Wizard of the Coast, so I'm sure it's intentional. Nah. <laughs> and it was on an official Wizard of the Coast live stream, so. so So someone will mention to him, you know if you hold up that book, then people will start like freeze framing, zooming in, yeah, doing all yeah. sorts. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so uh, it looks like the book is 256 pages. Ooh, I'm thinking some science coming on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, will wear, we promised to weigh it when it arrives. Uh, so there's 60 pages on um, the guilds. Yes. There are 24 pages on the city and world. Fantastic. There's 10 pages of magic items. Ooh. And 70 pages, like the biggest section of the book, being NPCs and monsters. Mm, okay, which makes sense because uh, the whole joy of the Magic the Gathering world is the exciting and different monsters. Yeah. A long shout from the worlds of uh, Faerun and associated yeah. I mean, I am, I We've discussed this before, but I'm almost ignorant when it comes to Magic the Gathering. Almost. Almost completely ignorant. Yes. You have to tell me one time all about it and I'll pretend to be interested. Okay. Yeah. I'll, well, you realise that means I'll... I'll actually have to learn about it myself. <laughs> I, I've just played in the setting. It was great. Well, at least you played did. it. I've never even played it. Uh, I've never even seen it. I've never even heard of it. 
this is why I'm in a role-playing game club, so I can play in this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the table of contents, very, very quickly, the uh, chapters are um, uh, Welcome to Ravnica, yep. Character Creation, mm-hmm. Guilds of Ravnica, yep. The Tenth District, mm-hmm. Creating Adventures, mm-hmm. Treasures, mm-hmm. Friends and Foes, yep. and that's it. Okay. And they are, I see they've got like a different backgrounds for all of the various the guilds, as it were, the factions. Yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. Which will be which will be interesting. Yeah, each one appears to have I think one background. So the Azorius Senate yes. has a background called Azorius Functionary. Mm-hmm. Boris Legion has Boris Legionnaire and stuff like that. Etc. etc. Yeah, well that, that sounds interesting. Um so that wasn't the only page of course that came out. Also mm. the first Page and accompanying full page, so it's two pages really, but one of them is a big, mm-hmm. pretty picture. It's a lovely picture, actually. Mm-hmm. Walking Elephant Man. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. People on Bridge. Yeah. Rain, I believe. Yeah, it's rain, it's all built up. I mean, a, a, a surplus of pointy ears. Excellent, excellent. Mm. Uh, yeah, so also there's the uh, first page of character creation. Yeah. It doesn't tell you an awful lot. I told you choosing a guild, race and class, and building a party. Yeah. Nice standard stuff, like it. Yeah, uh, so choosing a guild, it says uh, chapter 2 describes the 10 guilds of Ravnica in detail. How do you decide what guild you want your character to belong to? You can choose one of these approaches. And it says, look at the questionnaire, what's important to me in this chapter? And I noticed the building party section is mentioned because obviously the guilds don't necessarily get along. Mm. So you can play with a single guild and still have a very wide range of characters. Yeah. But if you want to create a variety of characters from a variety of guilds, they're saying, do that, but remember it's a co- uh, cooperative game, not competitive. Yes. Which, you know, I think is reasonable. So, that's Ravnica. Yeah. Well, that's not all Ravnica. That's just one thing about Ravnica. <gasps> just There's one thing. Not more about that. What? Uh, so, we also had part of uh, Wizard of the Coast do this extra live stream every year. Mm-hmm. Where they do this sort of long stream for a charity called Extra Life, which is about children's hospitals over in the US. Yeah, yeah. And as part of that, they always like release sort of scoops and big tidbits and mm-hmm. you know previews and stuff like that when they reach certain fun- funding levels. Yeah, it's like the infamous Tortle package, which um... that was last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And let's play Tortle, which is yeah. pretty sweet. Krenko's Way is mm-hmm. the first level introductory adventure uh, included in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, members of uh, Wizards' Magic the Gathering team mm-hmm. played the D&D first level adventure, Krenko's Way, ah. on a live stream, uh, which revealed some kind of new race details and um, some other bits and pieces and tidbits. Mm. So I thought I'd maybe just quickly whip through. There's quite a few here, so I'll try yeah, to yeah. be as quick as I can. The player characters, there was an Azorius Veldelkan wizard uh-huh. uh, who had the Veldelkan dispassion and tireless precision, um, which sounds like it comes from the Anatha Kana versions, plus the feature partially amphibious. Ooh, splashy. Yeah. The DM went on to say that in Ravnica, your guild choice kind of replaces your background choice. Yeah. So those backgrounds we just mentioned, mm-hmm. like the Azorius Functionary and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the Azorius Functionary, for example, has an ability called Legal Authority that allows you to enforce Ravnican laws. Nice, nice. Um, what else was there? So the second character was a Celestian Loxodon Paladin. Ah, all elephant all the time. And um, they have the Celestia Conclave ability. They can request shelter and aid for themselves and their companions from their guild, as well as a place to rest and heal. Okay. 
the Loxodons are, I think they're the elephant guys, aren't they? That's right. Um, they yeah. have a powerful build, similar to that in the Anathokana version. Uh-huh. Loxodon Serenity, which changes from the Anathokana version, which had mm-hmm. Loxodon Bravery. Um, he now gets advantage on saving throws against being charmed and frightened. Nice. Like it. Uh, he also has a new feature called Trunk. He <laughs> <laughs> um, can use it to lift, drop, push, or pull creatures or objects, open or close doors and containers, or grapple somebody, or even strike with it. Oh, nice. Um, is there any word on whether they suffer any sort of racial vulnerability to peanuts? <laughs> yes, uh, I, I, I have it from an authoritative source. There's an entire chapter on exactly that subject. Anyway, moving um, on. <laughs> the third character was a Rakdos Goblin Guard. Oh. Bard, not guard. Goblin. Go- a goblin, goblin Bard. No, 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 I've, no, I've said guard. I can't not. I can't unsay it. Rakdos Goblin Guard. No, I did it again. Rakdos Goblin Bard. A not goblin guard. Rakdos Goblin Bard. What was he barred from? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, dear. <laughs> and they, they have a feature called Fury of the Small. Yes. Uh, when you damage a creature with a spell or an attack and they're at least one size larger, you deal an extra point of damage that scales with your level. So mm. level one is one point. Uh, and that refreshes after a short or long rest. That sounds quite similar to the follow, Follow's Guide mm. take on the matter. Mm. Uh, the Goblin also had the Rakdos Cultist feature uh, and a fearsome reputation. People give you a wide berth they don't want to draw your anger or ridicule, and you can get away with minor criminal offences. If I if I recall correctly, I think they were all like assassins in Rakdos or something like that. Mm. But assassins disguised as bait staff, something like that. Mm. Anyway, moving on. Uh, where are we? Uh, the, and finally, there was an Izet Goblin Sorcerer. Mm. And the Izet feature was urban infrastructure, which is a basic knowledge of buildings and how they're built. Um, and you can get blueprints to structures <laughs> from a huge library of them. So basically, like sort of a civil engineer come facilities person. Yes, something Marvelous. like, yeah, like come librarian. That that's that's exactly what I've always wanted to play in D anD. I've said to myself, "Well, I'm going around a building. Wouldn't this be cooler if I was playing D anD?" The answer is yes. Yes, it would. There you go. Uh, yeah, so I really like the way that it's now the guild, sort of your social structure that's taking mm. more centre stage than like you know, the particular individual species to which mm. a character belongs. I quite like that. That's uh, forward-thinking. Okay. Um, finally, uh, new for Ravnica, each character starts off with contacts. Um, each guild has their own list of contacts that you roll off or create on your own. You roll two contacts within the guild, one an ally and one a rival, and one contact outside the guild, usually an ally. Okay, so um, taking a leaf out of storytelling games and having sort of a pre-existing population of NPCs to mm. play around with. I like it. Um, also, still on the subject of Ravnica. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a bit of a Ravnica bonanza going on. In addition to um, all that, there was um, an art preview, which mm-hmm. Nathan Stewart... Um, over at Wizard of the Coast, he he sort of uh, showed that off on his Twitter stream as part of that extra life thing again. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is by artist Victor Titov. Victor Titov. Victor yeah. Titov. And you see this picture of a street in yeah street in Ravnica with um I I originally called them dinosaurs and was uh, immediately chastised for using such words um, because apparently they are not dinosaurs. Oh. Uh. Well, no. Um, they, they, I, can, I can see where you're coming from. but And so uh, one of them is an Indrik, apparently. A, a magic the gathering creature called an Indrik. 
And now you know. Um, so it looks very dinosaur-esque to me, but uh, apparently Indrix it's are, are Giant, it's scaly. If only we could know where they got the inspiration for these things from. Yeah. Um, there's a, a big horned creature in the back. Um, it's apparently called a Crovod, Crovod, K-R-O-V-O-D. And there's also a one-eyed uh, homunculus near a stool. But I guess one-eyed homunculus is need to buy stuff too. It's a lovely piece of art, that. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, Do you like? Sorry, I'm having a bit of difficulty seeing it. See you there? Oh, okay, yeah, fantastic. You've sort of got a market scene, and there's this absolutely humongous, it must be about 30, 40 foot tall, long necked. I can see where you're coming from. It looks very much like a. Different focus, doesn't it? It's just a chug out there. I wouldn't like to be the guy following that around with a bucket and shovel. Do you know what I mean? It looks a tiny bit sci fi to me. It's. Well, absolutely. It's like, you know, the whole. Jam of Ravnica, Eberron, is it's like, yeah, we've got technology and we've got magic. Mm. Which, of course, brings to mind uh, Clark's Law. Mm. Well, we'll stick a link in the show notes to that piece of art because it's really, really worth taking a quick look at. It's gorgeous. That is very nice. There's a live stream show called uh, Ravnica Broken Pact, um, episode one of which came out last week. Episode one, Enemy of the Guild Pack. It's the first part of a ten-part series Yes, um, over on Twitch. Mm-hmm. So uh, this one had a little sort of Q and A afterwards as well called Talk Pact, Ooh. Uh, included like the players and the DM and stuff. Uh, so the characters in this were mm-hmm. Astarok Minotaur Fighter, yep. Velma Sweet, a half elf bard, mm-hmm. uh, Lucian a Ledrian, Ladrian, a human cleric, mm-hmm. and Tutoru a Loxodon cleric. Ooh. And there were a few bits of information that came out of that session as well. Yep. Well, it sounds like it's a Packed with information. Yeah. So what was it? So uh, apparently, instead of copper, silver, and gold in Ravnica, they used Zibs, silver, and Zenos or Zenos. Uh, is that Z or X? Z E N O S. Right, Zenos it is then. Uh, Zibs are equivalent to copper pieces, Zenos or Zenos or equivalent to gold pieces. Uh, equal to gold pieces, oh. and silver is four to a Zeno. Uh, there were also ten Zeno platinum pieces. Oh, what, so you're going to have four silver pieces to the Zeno? Yes. Why would you inflict base four on your planet? Who knows? Why would you do such a thing? Who knows? I think they should go back to shillings and... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, base 12. That's a a great way to count things. Yes. Uh, Was it like um, 12 pennies to a shilling? What was a farthing? Or was that not like five pence? Who knows? Well, I imagine lots of people know, but like, yes. <laughs> I am not one of those people. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 yeah. But 240 pennies to a pound, does that make everything more convenient? It does, it does. It does not. Uh, <laughs> so, so also, uh, this, uh, this show revealed there were no dwarves or, or tieflings on Ravnica. What? Vampires are not a player race option in the book. I am saddened by this. Interplanar travel is not something most people know about. Well, that's Horizon Walkers... Wondering what on earth's going on. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica apparently has enough information to get non magic players into this. Well, I certainly hope so because I'm not a magic player and I know yeah. nothing about setting. So <laughs> this is literally going to be my intro to the setting. Yes. That uh, fair. Gods and patrons have to be handled slightly differently in Ravnica. Doesn't say how, but apparently they're differently. No rules in the book about planes walking. There are no references in the book to the guild's colours. The players said their choice of all white-aligned guilds was not on purpose. 
Um, there are stats in the book for plenty of famous characters. The book doesn't mention any spells not being around. The book goes over how you can make a party of all one guild work yes. or a party made up of different guild members. Mm -hmm. And there are map resources in the book. There's a map of the 10th district and the precincts within the district. How exciting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's worth checking that out because it's a full episode there and it's quite, it's quite good fun. How long is each episode, do we know? Hello, your editor, Daryl, here with a bit more information. Ravnica the Broken Pact is produced by the Twitch channel Saving Throw Show, with whom I've been friends with for many years now, and it airs on the official Dungeons & Dragons Twitch channel. The game stream will be on the official D&D channel at twitch.tv dnd, as in the letter D, starting at 1pm Pacific Time on Saturdays, lasting about 3 hours, with the talk show Talk Pact, as in P-A-C-T, not B-A-C-K is on twitch.tv slash saving throw show starting at 4 p.m. Pacific time or immediately following after the D&D stream if it runs over. However, this week is actually special as they will be streaming a live episode in front of a crowd at TwitchCon starting at 3 p.m. Pacific time on Saturday, also lasting three hours on the official D&D Twitch channel. Links to both channels are in the show notes and if you follow the accounts, you'll get updates and emails when they go live. Also, make sure to check out Saving Throw's other streams because they have tabletop gaming content every single night of the week with the sole exception of Thursday nights because, seriously, no one wants to compete with Critical Role. Yeah, yes. uh, yeah that's that's Ravnica that's now covered. That's, yeah, quite, that's quite a lot on Ravnica now, isn't it? There is loads to say about Ravnica, uh, which is doubtless in line with the fantastic marketing strategy adopted by Wizards of the Coast. Mm. Yeah. So, moving on from Ravnica, then. Let's talk about some other people. Let's talk about something other than Ravnica, shall we? Oh, how's your Kickstarter going, by the way? My Kickstarter is going really, really well. It's past £126,000. £126,000? Yeah. Yes. So and in that dollars, like? that's four million seven hundred twenty-two US dollars. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea what it is in the US dollars. It's I, I think it's about 150. Yeah. 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 It changes every day anyway, because the exchange rate changes. So uh, um, who knows? Yeah. He's been incessantly talking about it. Well, oh, yeah. oh, well let's, oh, let's yeah. slip that one into the news then, just because there's only three days left. So by the time you hear this on Wednesday, tomorrow, Thursday will be the last day. And I just want to remind everyone that isn't going to be a pledge manager afterwards. Yes. Because it's going our, out. Yeah, our promise is to fulfil the Kickstarter immediately, which means we can't spend a month letting people fiddle around adding extra products afterwards. So make sure, if you back the Kickstarter, make sure you back what you want before it ends. Yeah. So you can't add stuff afterwards. So if you want to back that Kickstarter and get in on that sweet pre-order action, then you have to have your order in by 25th of October? Uh, Thursday, Thursday. Thursday night, midnight. Uh, that's Thursday night, midnight GMT, yeah? Uh, BST, yeah. BST, British Summertime. Uh, st still on the subject of Judge Dredd there, without harping on about it too much also. You remember I mentioned Strontium Dog and Rogue Trooper last week? Oh, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. want to confirm the uh, product covers are up. Oh, and they're nice. Out. So Strontium Dog, there's Rogue Trooper, there's Cursed Earth, and Luna One. Are all The product covers are all up, and they're gorgeous and lovely. And those aren't included in the Kickstarter? No, they were like our plans for next year. So they're 100% compatible with the stuff in the Kickstarter. Oh, God, yeah. And yeah, they're yeah. coming out uh, over the course of 2019? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the other things coming out very soon uh -huh. from, um, uh, from our friends over at Wizards of the Coast is Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Mm. Mm. When they when they release these games, they come out. That's coming out on November the second, which yeah. is next week, I believe. 
Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, they also appear on Fantasy Grounds and Roll20 at the same time as the sort of efficient official licensed oh, okay. tabletops. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so the product page is up on Fantasy Grounds uh-huh. and includes a number of screenshots Ooh. from which you can derive some information about Waterdeep, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Ooh. Lots of lovely art there. And so, yeah, you can see numerous screenshots of various things. This one's, this screen has various items. It looks like blue pellets, potion of geisha's yeah. form, brown breastplate plus one, ring of swimming. And locations, hall of yeah. many pillars, desecrated temple, east chamber... Bugbear Den, Bugbear Haunted Den. Temple of Love. Of Love, interesting. Well, that would be exciting, if only briefly. <laughs> yes. Uh, then we got looks like a bunch of creatures here. We've got an Aboleth, an animated drow statue, nice, uh, nice. Bone Devil, Bandits, Commoners, Cassioc Shadow Dusk. Presumably an NPC. One assumes. Yeah. Uh, Commoners. And then down here we have. What appear to be like quests, so we've got like, like complete the statue, eye of the spider, Ooh. free Alusia, pay a harper debt, rescue Ezria, um, and more. Pleasant halls, yes, yeah. So, stick the link in the show notes for that. Lots and lots of sort of preview images from Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which comes out next week. Nice, okay. Moving on, so you know the TV show Stranger Things. Yes, I suppose you could say that I know the TV show Stranger Things, mm. not like I'm a massive fan of that thing. Uh, I really enjoy it. They're so small. We're hoping for Stranger Things 3. Come on. So, Bring us down. You know, like D&D features quite heavily in it. Uh, I would say, like, well, uh, heavily. It, they, D&D definitely features in it. And it's very cool. And it's sort of like a little... Uh, some people say Stranger Things has helped repopularize D&D. I, I mean, mean, it's one of the many things. Yeah, yeah. I it, think more, it's more like a broad insertion of D&D into pop culture has done, of which this is... Yeah. One tiny part. It's a symptom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, anyway, uh, so uh, there's this uh, companion book for the series, mm-hmm. which is uh, just coming out I think oh, in yeah. the next week or two. Uh, it's like a behind the scenes making of type thing with information about ah, characters yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Lots of photos and things like that. Yeah. What's, what's interesting about it, the book is called Worlds Turned Upside Down. Yes. And uh, it contains character sheets D&D character sheets yes. for the kids oh for the kids or the characters that the kids were playing uh, well the characters that the kids were playing yeah okay the that... characters were also kids there. Well, well, yes, the, the characters kids, were kids the, the actors who were Sorry. kids were playing characters who were kids <laughs> yes so uh, the actors characters we don't have their character sheets but we have the characters characters character sheets so no, so this is Mike Wheeler, one of the characters. Oh, no, we actually have the character sheets for the kids themselves. Yeah, so played by Finn Wolfhard. Yep. Played by Dungeon Master. He's a cleric, level three, lawful good, with 6,500 experience points. Wow. And you, he's you, arm class three. I mean, you, you played lots of D&D from older editions. Yes. Was that second ed, first ed? Oh, uh, this is before that. This okay. looks to me like it's um, OD&D, one of the basics, because armor class 3, so that's uh, descending armor class. Yep. Hit points 15. Yep. What else have we got here? we got strength of... Can't quite looks like out, 16. Can't make out the handwriting. That's strength of 16, uh, dexterity of 9, intelligence of 10, constitution 13, wisdom 13, and charisma 17, it looks like. Uh, that's that's looking like um, I guess some OG OD&D so yeah nice 
Mm. So I mean, we, we, we don't have the characters' characters' character sheets. So it's, it's, We've got the characters' character sheets. Yeah. So it's basic in D&D, not AD&D. So in oh, basic yeah. D&D, AC starts at 9 and descends. With you. And abilities go from 3 to 18 with, with, with modifiers. So anyway, that that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's quite oh, interesting, that. Yeah. A, a jolly little touch. Yeah, I thought that was quite fun. Yeah. So there's um, there's a Twitter account called D and D Collecting. Mm-hmm. It's been around a while, and it generally sort of um, so has like rare books and memorabilia from D and D's past and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got uh, a bit of attention recently with uh, with this announcement of an auction. Oh yeah. Um, right. There were six corroded brass stru- uh, sculptures of the Lady of Pain from the Painscape setting were made. Really? Yeah. Oh yes. yes. They say we'll be auctioning one of the six existing Lady of Pain corroded brass sculptures. This one will be the undisputed centerpiece of any serious D&D's collector's hoard. Incredible tribute paid to the best setting ever, created for the best RPG ever. Stay, Stay tuned. tuned. Oh, be interesting to see what that goes to. Let's report. Let's, let's revisit that next week and see what it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on how long the auction goes on for, I suppose. Yeah. But um... hello, your editor Daryl here. The Planescape Lady of Pain custom bust sculpture is now up for auction with no reserve price, and a certain editor of a certain podcast happened to be the first bidder on this auction because, hey, why not give it a shot and bid the minimum? Well, it is safe to say that I was very quickly outbid for my $1, as the sculpture is currently, at least on early Wednesday morning, going for $910 with 29 bids placed so far. The auction will continue until November 1st at 3.04 a.m. Central Time. There's a link in the show notes to the auction, which I recommend you check out if for no other reason to look at the pictures, because this thing is amazing work. And if you are thinking about bidding yourself, please note that the sculpture is made of brass and is shipping from Spain, so the shipping costs are rather high, so be sure to factor that into your budget when bidding. Okay, um, so there's a there's a there's a big Kickstarter in town. Uh-huh. So you remember we mentioned a few? It must have been like a month or two ago. We mentioned mm. that Savage Worlds was coming to Kickstarter with a new edition. Yes, yes, it was codenamed Savage Worlds Black. That yeah. was internally, and now it's uh, yeah, come out and Kickstarter as I believe, believe Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Yes, and it has launched. And uh, guess how well it's doing? My. Don't have to guess. I can say <laughs> it's doing insanely well. Uh, I'm I'm looking at uh, doing some funding of it myself, but it had long ago smashed its targets. It's so doing. it's at two hundred and sixty four thousand dollars as I look at it now. Ooh, uh, so over a quarter of a million dollars, and it's still got twenty three days to go. It's still got three weeks to go. That is astonishing. I mean, it's not surprising, but uh, it's. You know, I think if anything, yeah. anything's going to uh, sort of smash Kickstarter, it's going to be something like this. I mean, Savage World's been around for, what, 15 years now? It's, uh, a, it's, it's a very popular uh, system. Yeah, I mean, yeah, potentially longer. I mean, in its current format with, because it's gone through, what's it, the Explorer's Edition that went through Deluxe, which I have, and that's gone to Adventure. Uh, it's, yeah, and I've been looking at that and sort of agonizing over various levels because I'm looking at the ultimate, I'm looking at the box set and core rules. I'm like, well, you've got the core rules and then you've got like really nice signed collector's edition. They've got the box set, which has like action cards, but I already have some really nice playing cards that I use, but it's got the bennies and it's got the condition. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. it adds up. 
Well, you're going to tell me all about Savage Worlds a bit later in the podcast, aren't you? I, I can, I can discuss be, it. It's going to be interesting, because I, myself, haven't played it. Oh, okay. Although I am familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. As in, I know what it is. Mm-hmm. I know of it. Yeah. But I haven't actually played it. So you can, you can educate me. Yay! Mm-hmm. In the world of Savage Worlds. In the Savage Worlds of Savage Worlds. <laughs> but we'll get onto that in a bit. But anyway, okay. the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter launch has got three weeks left, and it is smashing it. I reckon it's easily going to go past a half million yes. dollars. Yeah, possibly, I mean, possibly more. It's well, like Pinnacle Entertainment Group is yeah, got it, got its marketing machine in full place. Mm. Uh, what else have we got in the news? Oh, uh, Sector Forty Nine. Oh, yes, that's the uh, Judge Dredd. Yeah, going back to Judge Dredd very briefly. Actual play. Yeah, it's basically one of the uh, rewards in the Kickstarter was mm-hmm. one of the rewards, the stretch goals in the Kickstarter yep. was that we'd have this live stream actual play thing. Mm. And uh, we hit that in the first, like, quarter hour. Quarter hour, whatever. <laughs> uh, and um, and uh, <laughs> the live stream launched last week. Um, basically the same day that we did last week's podcast, actually, but later in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's on live every Monday. Yes. It'll appear on YouTube every Tuesday, mm. and it'll appear on this very podcast stream, podcast, uh, ah. stream wow. every Friday. So you have a choice, a variety of ways in which you can keep up with it. Yeah, excellent. Um, I watched the first one live. Oh, of course, because it's run by Wax Steven, yeah, who we've had on the podcast on. previously. Yeah. So I watched the first one live, and I really, really enjoyed it. Fantastic. So I was a little, you know, a little nervous, didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I haven't been privy to all the planning and stuff like that because yeah. they're not, you know, they're not employed by me or anything like that. They're, no, you know, they're just doing it. They're, they're, a, nice. they're a third party. But they're, they're bloody good. They really are very good. Mm-hmm. And they know what they're doing. And if you look at that, just look at the sort of backdrop and stuff like that. It's all gorgeous. Their, oh, their, wow. their presentation of a live stream. Yeah, they've got like a full window looking out over, I presume, Mega City yeah, 1. Yeah, exactly. Sweet. It's lovely. Uh, so, final thing in the news. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. So, we uh, Fantasy Grounds, the virtual tabletop, has mm-hmm. released its uh, latest usage report. Ooh. As you know, the, the, both of the main virtual tabletops periodically release these. So, and you get a good idea of what games people are playing and in what numbers. At least, not at home, but certainly online using these tools. Yeah, it gives you some idea of what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, does 5th Ed D&D still rule the waves? What do you think? Uh, <laughs> yes. In breaking news, 5th Ed D&D has fallen to position number 10. No. 5th no. uh, <laughs> Ed D&D is way ahead, as always. Uh, right up at the top there with, let's have a look, it was 67% of games. 67% of games? 67%. So two like, thirds. Yeah, D D D fifth edition dominates the market so heavily. It really does. Um, so we've got Pathfinder coming in second. Yeah. Eleven percent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Savage Worlds. Yep. Is third at five percent. Nice. And then everything else um, is in this seventeen percent block. Isn't that a big leap for Savage Worlds? Uh, no, no, it's always come in quite quite well there. Oh, okay, so yeah. So what have we got? We've got about two-thirds of games are 5th Ed. Yeah. Uh, one in 10 is Pathfinder. Yes. And one in 20 is Savage Worlds. Yeah. So Pathfinder 2nd Edition has just crept into the chart. Ooh. But obviously, this is the last 12 months usage. Pathfinder 2nd yeah. Edition was released well, at Gen Con, which was yeah. August. August. Yeah. So, like, so three months. Were, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just 
just slipped into the charts, but it's only just like creeping up at the bottom uh, there. And, and let's not also forget that the default setting, as has been pointed out to me on Fantasy Grounds, is right. Fifth Ed. So if somebody doesn't change the setting of their game, then uh, Fifth Ed would be oh, the default do setting. That? I didn't uh, know that. I believe so. I, 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 I thought, because they've got this thing called Core RPG, which is their um, thing, which is the thing they use if they haven't got a specific... Um, okay. Uh, module for it. I, I've not used Fantasy Grounds, but that's what someone who used it did say to me. So I'd have to. Think I know that. that's what happens on Twitch. Mm. Table. I think that actually changed just a couple of weeks ago. In fact, mm-hmm. they added a tabletop gaming category. Mm-hmm. Up till there, it was just D and D. So whatever you were playing, uh, it, it was, was classified as D and D. So yeah, one hundred percent of games played on Twitch were D and D. Yeah, up until recently. I, I, I mean, I can. Definitely... And now it's just ninety nine point nine percent of games. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't have, like, um, the same number of people, but at my club, I've got, like, something like 10 games running per, per week, mm. and of those, we've got five, which are four or fifth dead. Mm-hmm. One is Pathfinder. Yeah. One, sorry, one is Starfinder, yeah. so I'm counting it as d and I'm running one using the sort of very basic Powered by the Apocalypse stuff, so that's thematically d and d That's not D&D. We've got Legend of the Five Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is sort of the Chinese slash Japanese themed one. And we have some modern day stuff. We have some two-fisted action from the 1930s America. Cute. Yeah. So, but I'd say it's like a, about half, if not more games are D&D in my, that I yeah. personally see. And we do, like, but we do like to experiment, but there's always something going on mm. in terms of Fifth Ed. The entire chart here, just run into it very quickly. It goes 5e, Pathfinder, Savage Worlds, 3.5 D&D, mm-hmm. uh, Starfinder. Yeah. Uh, then their sort of core RPG thing, which is what they lump into, yeah, like yeah. lots and lots of systems. Call of Cthulhu, D&D, 4e, Star Wars, GURPS, mm-hmm. AD&D, Castles mm-hmm. and Crusades, DSA, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And Pathfinder RPG 2. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's like coming in there in the, in the top. 12 or so there. They got Rollmaster. So Pathfinder, yeah. Pathfinder 2 is ahead of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. It's ahead of Fate. It's ahead of Warhammer 40k. Numenera. Numenera. Vampire the Masquerade, I see. Yeah. yeah. It's ahead of all of those. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, basic stats news. Yeah. It's, uh, there's just something Doesn't about... Like a few stats and a few pie charts. No. Do <laughs> like a good pie chart. There's something about that D20 system which gets people coming back again and again. Uh, so, uh, would you like to play our favourite game? Oh boy, would I? Yeah, let's do it. Are you sure? Yes, absolutely. You're convinced that's what you want to do. All right, our favourite game in all the world, the game where I tell you the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name and then I assign you a highly scientific and extremely fair and impartial score. Absolutely. I'm sure that I'm sure these spreadsheets exist. I've never seen you use them. Do you keep them in your head? Yes. That sounds plausible. My mind is larger on the inside than it is on the outside. Well, it has to be, really. Anyway. <laughs> not the face. You have a small head. I'm not, sure, I'm not even sure where to go with that comment. <laughs> so the first one is... Yes. The Chronicles of Future Earth. Oh, that sounds exciting. So I feel a bit like Jack Vance's The Dying Earth. It's set in the far-flung future... You've got a world that's we're sort of playing in our in our future, so it's sort of like a continuation of modern day. I'm not getting a strong fantasy vibe from it, 
So, yeah, I'm guessing sort of... But I don't really feel post-apocalyptic either. But I guess it's sort of... Or, if, or it's not post-apocalyptic in the Mad Max sense. So, like, something... I think this is sort of post the post-apocalypse, if you follow what I'm saying. So there's... Stuff has happened, and then, like, things are starting to recover, and it's just, like, playing from there. Hmm. Um, well, um, this is a game that was originally published by Chaosium using their basic roleplay system years ago. Nice. And it was by uh, Sarah Newton, who also did you, uh, you know, the Mind Jammer stuff and oh, lots, yeah. and lots of stuff. Sarah's mm. lots of stuff. Fun. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, it's returned to her, mm-hmm. uh, and she's bought, launched a, a new line of games, and she's using a, a modified Fate system through her Mind Jammer press imprint. Okay. Um, so it says, in the last centuries of the fifth cycliad, okay, yeah, uh, a great malaise happened to de- began to descend on the lands of humankind. Uh, mm-hmm. The great civilizations of the earth, for which eons had had seemed on the verge of slumber, now finally began to rot from within. Mm-hmm. From the edges of the world, the ever-present enemies drew close; their hungry claws poised to tear apart the delicate flesh of a fruit, a hundred millennia in the ripening. And all around, a cry arose for heroes to stand against the dying of the light and save the world from the sins of its past. Okay, that seems like something that I'd expect from that title. Kind of colourful, yeah. Uh, set 100,000 years from now, a technological civilization has fallen, lost in a mysterious cataclysm tens of millennia ago. And the world has regressed to an ancient world feel, but built on the ruins of the past. It's got a very Numenera vibe as yeah, well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to give that title a solid five out of five. You're just giving yourself your own score. No, I'm, I'm giving I'm giving the title a score. You give me a score based on what you think it is. Oh, I'm giving that title a score. <laughs> You're cheating. Man. That's the thing we do now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to give you a score of B minus. Fair enough. Just to confuse things. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you'll find that very unlikely to confuse things for us. <laughs> well, B minus isn't a bad score. No, I quite like it. Yeah. Um, it, it. Basically, the description, I'm nodding along because that's sort of what I expected, but I failed to articulate. Fair enough. So that's on me. Okay. Uh, next one is... Oh, this is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. It says, Judge Dread and the Worlds of 2000 AD role-playing game. What could that possibly be? Um, well, I know Dread's like sort of a Jenga role-playing system. <laughs> yes, we all know what Shush Dread in the Wars of 2008 is. Three days to go, probably one day when you hear this, or even less if you don't hear yes. it on the day it goes out. If it's Thursday, 1st of November, before midnight British summer time, you still have a chance to back the Kickstarter, and if not, then don't. Okay, the next one is Tales of the Old Margreve. Ooh. Actually, I think we mentioned this... In I'm, a previous podcast, if you don't if you don't get this exactly right, I, I, you're going to score minus a million points. Well, I've never heard this before. You have, I promise you. You have. Uh, I, honestly, you, have, you can I go promise, listen. I remember can, talking to you about it. Tales of the Old Margrave. Yeah. Well, it was, it was in a news item a couple of weeks ago. Pretty sure we didn't use the word Margrave. Or well, maybe I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> maybe, maybe you were just talking. I tuned you out. Maybe you were that just does sound like something I do. I guess it's some sort of fantasy setting. I like maybe a fantasy adventure pack. Um, I don't know what a Margrave is. Ah. I can't work it out either. Like from what I, I I've seen it a couple of times. I think it's like a like a duke or something. That sort of like nobility factor. Mm. Um, I think it's, what, but it's tells from the old Margrave. Tell you what a, the Margrave is. 
Please do. It's the name of a forest. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this is Cobalt Presses. That's mm-hmm. minus a million points, by the way. This is Cobalt Presses. Mm. Yeah. Um, latest Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, which is D&D 5th edition. Yeah. And it's an ancient enchanted forest. Yeah. Uh, with various adventures within that forest. Okay. So minus, minus a million points. Minus a million times a million points. Yep. And the next one is Codex RPG Zyme. What was the last word? Zyme. Z-I-N-E. What, like zine? Is that how that's pronounced? Like magazine? I guess. All right, zine then. Codex RPG Zyme. Well, Codex is book, RPG. So it sounds like it's kickstarting... Well, if it's Codex RPG Zine, then it will be kickstarting a new, presumably, e-magazine for talking all about role-playing games, um, which I'm all in favour of. And so, the, yeah, I think, yeah, good eight out of seven there. Um, so, <laughs> Codex Tabletop RPG Zine, yeah. um, there's uh, the first 13 issues of that zine, yes. not zine, yeah. magazine, yeah, magazine yeah. doesn't work, does it? Magazine. You're right, yeah. it's zine. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I've been compiled into a single hardcover. Oh, nice. Uh, So it's 270 pages, full colour hardcover Mm. um, for lots of games like Dungeon World, The Sprawl, Urban Shadows, Lovecraft-esque, as well as LARPs. So you're like that. You like LARPs. Yeah. yeah. Um, Each issue has a different theme. Yep. And um, it's a collection of basically articles and scenarios from some of the best sort of indie game designers around. Ooh, nice. That's quite fun. Yeah, I'm going to give that a solid five out of five for the title there. Uh, it, it promises exactly what I would expect. This one looks fun. Yes. Americana. Hmm. To me, Americana refers to quite a specific art and design ethos. So, like, sort of 1960s, come 1970s, big Buicks, like, very flash sort of diners, jukeboxes, you've got a real happy days vibe going on. Mm. So, well, to me, I'd be expecting a setting, like a source book sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I suspect that's probably not going to be the case because of the disjointed way that the RPG market works and why would Americans need a setting book for their own culture? So... What I suspect it is instead is it's going to be um, what I've described as the setting, but this might actually be a modern, well, not modern day, but like in you know, the last 50 years or so, um, like a role-playing game set in that sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what they'd be exploring. Maybe some sort of like you've got an X-Files-esque, there's a, a hidden world to explore, maybe sort of riffing off the American gods theme, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm interested. Um, you kind of had it, and then you went, you changed your mind and went with something else, and then you had okay. it again, and then you, right at okay. the last minute, you pulled away from getting it right and got it wrong again. Sure. So you got it right twice mm-hmm. in that, mm-hmm. but kept changing your mind and talking yourself out of it. Oh, okay. So, so I'll give so, you five out of ten for getting right. it right twice, mm-hmm. but you lose points for talking yourself out of the correct answer. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so basically, it's uh, it's not 60s, 70s, it's 50s, but fairly close, I suppose. Uh, so it's set in a fantasy 50s, small yep. town, USA, but the world is full of magic. So you've got orcs and dwarves at the, at the drive-in, and elves and dragons are at lookout point, and your principal is a kindly skeleton that fought against Charlemagne. Stuff like that. Oh, okay. So it's... Um... 
a bit like if Happy Days and Shadow Run yeah, got guess, together yeah. and had a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Happy it, Days and Shadow Run sort of... If you wanted to play Fonzie, but with Shadow Run, they got you covered. Yeah. Fantastic. Basically, yeah. yeah. There you go. That is it for our favourite game in all the world. Fantastic. Yes. I quite like the look of that Emma Ricardo, actually. I think mm. I'm going to back that one. Nice. That looks fun. Yeah. Should run it. Thank you for calling the Adventurous Support Line. This call may be recorded for quality assurance purposes. How may I help you? Mm, so, I'm not sure if this is something you can help with, but... It's our job to keep you morons alive. Uh, what? It's our job to help you soar and fly. Oh, um, uh, okay then. Uh, I wanted to know, how can you tell if someone's a doppelganger? There's a few different things we can try to test, but first... Why do you think you may have a doppelganger? Well, we just lost our wizard fighting the Hydra at the end of the dungeon, and another wizard was being kept prisoner. Hmm, that's odd. Most unintelligent monsters wouldn't keep a prisoner. I know, right? But that's not even the weird thing. This wizard is almost exactly like our last wizard. Looks almost exactly the same, but has different coloured eyes and a different hat. Talks exactly the same, even has the same spells. Are they exactly the same spells? Yes! Exactly the same? No changes at all? Well, not exactly the same. There's one spell that's changed. This one has Acid Arrow, and the other didn't. Ah, and this Hydra. Was it a, a Fire Hydra by any chance, so it was immune to flame attacks? Uh, yeah. I see. So this wizard, have you had any conflicts, any arguments over anything? Maybe, oh, I don't know, the possessions of the last wizard? Yes, exactly. He was so insistent they get the Wand of Wonder the last wizard had, even knew the activation word. Uh-huh. Other than that, though, have you had any other reason to suspect the wizard? Or do you feel like you immediately trust him, far more than you would any other stranger you just met? Yes. Am I being mind-controlled by the doppelganger? No. Someone just crossed out the name on their character sheet and wrote a new one in. Give it until you get back to town. You won't think twice about this again. Are you sure I'm not being mind-controlled? You'd have to have a mind first. Sorry? Uh, you'll never know what you'll find in the dirt. Check around the cave a bit more, and if you don't find anything unusual beside the normal treasure, you're fine. Okay, thank you. Thanks for calling, and don't forget to complete the survey. So let's do the topic of the week, then. Topic of the week. I know you're looking forward to this. I know you love listening to me talk. Mm. <laughs> well, I know you love listening to you talk. <laughs> what can I say? It's the innate teacher within me. If I didn't like the sound of my own voice, I'd have been in the profession. Someone has to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you're going to tell me this week all about a game known as Savage Worlds. It's fast, furious and fun. Hmm. Apparently. What? What would you like to know? Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm familiar with the game in the sense that I have a copy upstairs. Excellent. I have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard a lot about it. Yep. I have written news items about releases about it. Mm-hmm. But I personally have not played it. Ah. Something I'm sure I will remedy at some point. Yes. But I thought maybe you could give me a sort of really, really brief overview of what it essentially is. So I know it's a, a multi-genre, fairly light rule system. 
yep, yep. Um, designed to handle a whole load of different things. So I know it's mm-hmm. uh, got a lot of settings and things which it powers, from mm-hmm. Deadlands to um, Last Pass Ector, all sorts of different stuff covering all different genres. So mm-hmm. that much I know. Yep. And what, what can you tell me about what the sort of basic mechanic, the core mechanic of it is? Well, essentially, Savage Worlds divides the worlds into wild cards, which are your player characters and their chief antagonists, mm-hmm. and non-wild cards. Right. And once you've got that, then wild cards are more likely to succeed at things just in general. Okay. And the way they represent this, this sort of narrative hero shield, hero power, is whenever you make a roll, mm. you roll an extra d6 for those people. Right, okay. So they just get it just because they're the people the story's about. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, essentially, yeah. A difference from other games is Savage Worlds uses has a static target number, which is generally four, mm. but you roll a different size dice according to how skilled you are at something. Right. Which obviously can change things. So if you're not a wild card and you're not very skilled at something, you'd roll a d4, uh, then d6, d8, d10, d12. Yeah, so if so, you're rolling a d12, you'll probably succeed. Oh, absolutely. You're like at the top end of people. And you add an extra d6 on top of that. If you're a wild card, well, you you track them separately. Yeah. And the dice explode. Right. Like, as in, if you're a top number, you would then roll it again and add it on and okay. keep on adding it. So it's a nice simple yeah. core mechanic there. Yeah. It's like you always know you're rolling a d6, your wild die, and you know that according to what skill level you have, you're going to be rolling another thing. So mm. there's, not, there's not so much in the way of pooling or anything like that. Does it have hit points or anything like that? Mm, you have wounds. Yeah. And if you take a wound, then that reduces your capability. You right. would deduct one from the roll. So normally where your target number would be, let's say four, it would become five. Well, that's interesting. How does that avoid the whole death spiral thing then? Is there anything in there to stop that? Well, you can avoid taking wounds by soaking them with bennies. Um, with? Uh, bennies. Bennies are a very key part of Savage Worlds. It's where I believe they got inspiration from for Fifth Ed, mm-hmm. which is... You have like poker chips because the original Savage Worlds was very much poker focused, mm. set for the Deadlands setting, which is a weird Wild West setting. Mm-hmm. So the, the initiative system uses playing cards. Right. So if we'd go around, like if you get an ace or a joker. In Savage Worlds? In Savage Worlds. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not that, not that's... just Deadlands, it's like Savage Worlds generally, is it? Oh, oh absolutely. So the, okay. the, the original yeah. setting was heavily into poker mm. because it was heavily into the Wild West setting. But they kept the initiative sure, system okay. and thing. So that means your initiative changes every round. Okay. Because you get dealt a new card each round. Okay. Which I quite like. Uh, but Death Spirals, yeah, they, those are definitely a thing. Mm. And it used to be if you were shaken, that was extremely bad for you. That's where you've like taken enough damage to where you've been hit. Then they've rolled to do damage. Mm. And the damage has been equal to... Or just slightly over your toughness, you become shaken, which right. means you then have to spend some time or resources recovering from okay. being shaken. Yeah, okay. So these bennies things, they're sort of... Um... I, I use like little shiny glass beads, because players love shiny glass beads. But they're basically a, a resource that people have that they can use to help them out in certain situations, sort of like hero points, action points. Uh, exactly, yeah. Um, brownie points, if you go back as far as 1984's Ghostbusters RPG. Precisely. It's exactly the same thing. It's sort yeah. of a meta currency for the game. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So so, so use those to give yourself re-rolls or to, in some case, it, it lets you 
rolled again, but with advantage. Yeah, so pretty, yeah, pretty, yeah okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty, pretty standard, standard stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, but it's nice, and they, they've been doing it for a long time, and it works, it works really well. Essentially, by pruning a list of about 15 skills, mm-hmm. changing those around a bit, putting some in, taking some out, and changing the edges that are available to characters, you can customise it to fit nearly any character mm-hmm. setting. You've, you've inserted a new word there. Yes, edges. Uh, you in what's old is new called them exploits. But yeah, edges are just like merits Feats. in vampire. Feats, yeah, yes. Okay. They're, uh, something about your character that generally often only your character can do and they make it they make it better. It's like sort of a shtick, as it were. Okay. And how many of these do you tend to get? Often it, it will depend upon your level. Mm-hmm. The higher level you are, the more access to these you get. Because your base stats are important, but they're not as important. It's very much like the more edges you get. Yeah the better off you are. And these will have prerequisites like other edges or base stats. So, so what, like, what, what, what might an edge be, for example? A two-fisted fighting. Right. So normally, if you have like a sword, you'd attack with a sword in your right hand and that would work, but it would be tricky. Mm. If you wanted to attack with a sword in both hands, yeah. you can, but there's a penalty for attacking with your hand. So one edge would be two-fisted, so you could attack with both hands and then a second edge would be something like ambidextrous. So you right. can attack with both hands with no penalty. Okay. And that's that's how you build up your character in their fighting style. So literally they are just feats then? Yeah. I'd yeah. say just feats. That sounds a bit dog, isn't it? They are feats. Yeah. 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 But they're, they're, they're feats. They're self-contained little yeah. things about your character that makes them awesome. Yeah, okay. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what else is there in there? So we've got edges. We've got um, ascending dice which you roll according to how good you are at something. Yep, You've got and they bennies, which uh, mm-hmm. a meta-currency you spend. What other, what other things? Does it, uh, a card-based initiative system, you say? Yeah, card-based, yeah. Uh, and what else What else is there that you can see in Savage Worlds? Hindrances. Okay, and these are? Well, these are flaws in your character. I, I spent a lot of time working on getting Savage Worlds right and generating characters quickly. Mm. And the absolute best way is go for the flaws first. Right. Even before you've got your character concept, just have a look at the list of flaws and say, this is terrible. I have to play a character with this. Okay. Just just, just so amusing things can happen to me. What sort of hindrances? Oh, they've got all sorts. Big Mouth is a personal favourite of mine. Okay. Uh, loose lips slink ships uh, writ large. So when confronted with something, you invariably let something slip. And of course, if you play to your hindrance, then you can receive these these bennies, these meta currency, and that's like a great way to recharge them. Okay. So yeah. by role playing your flaws, uh, you're encouraged to do so. Yeah. Uh, things like arrogant, which is you're convinced you're the best in the world, and you see an enemy and say, mm. right, you, me, outside, let's go one on one. And even if you're completely, especially when you're completely outclassed, which is excellent fun. And it goes all the way. Uh, Doubting Thomas is one that I've always had a certain amount of fun with. It's good for horror games because in it you don't really believe in the supernatural. Mm. So you're convinced there's a rational explanation for things. So if confronted with undeniable evidence of the supernatural, it really uh, badly affects you okay. and makes you more inclined to go off the rails. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So how, how sort of heavy or light would you... I mean, I know it's a, a light system. I mean, is yeah. it considerably lighter than D&D 5th edition, would you say? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about Fate? How does it sort of rank up to Fate? Um, fate is probably 
lighter. Yeah. Because there's less stuff in Fate. You make up your own edges almost in mm. Fate, is my understanding of it. Something that you could do in Savage Worlds that you would find very difficult in D&D is you can have lots of different NPCs mm. under the control of the players. And this works very nicely in things like their World War II setting or because it does tend to be pulp and there's a military theme thing. So you could basically have four players role-playing or using a platoon of characters mm. or like definitely a large squad, you know, 12, 12 to 20 people uh, split between four ways yeah. would, be, would be doable and it wouldn't have the same sort of lag. Okay. Uh, Fifth Ed has definitely closed that gap. But I remember games of 3.5, it could take a very long time for returns to resolve. Mm. Whereas in Savage Worlds, it really pops because of a number of things. One, you've got the card draw. Mm-hmm. So that means people don't know when they're going. Mm-hmm. So they're always paying attention and they don't switch off. Okay. That's super helpful. The second would be your options are not like an imponderable space you can be pretty sure that if you do something it's going to be fun mm-hmm. and of course the way i uh ran it if you try to do something ridiculous i did tend to give you extra bennies extra chances to do it because then it's sort of encouraging people to gamble because fast furious and fun is definitely the way uh, it manages fast and it's pretty fun because there's just something very satisfying about having your dice explode and keep on increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's it, it's got a lot of things to be said for it. Hmm. What about settings? Oh, settings. Goodness. Well, so I know there's a lot of settings and I'm always seeing things that are powered by Savage Worlds. So there's, I, I'm assuming there's a third party license for Savage Worlds, which is why so many people do this. But what, what, yeah. what are some of your favourite settings that have used Savage Worlds other than Deadlands, which obviously was the first? Yeah, I've never actually uh, got the occasion to play Deadlands. I'm sort of aware of Actually, no, I, I played a Deadlands LARP. Okay. Which was very strange <laughs> because essentially it was like people have dice rollers on their phones. Right. And we and they sort of went with that. So that, 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 that was an interesting experience. I quite enjoyed that. Let's see. Uh, the World of Solomon Kane, I know about. I played, I think, one called like Frost Flame or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a post-apocalyptic one. I was just looking at this list of Savage Worlds sort of books and things mm-hmm. and the number of different um, companies that have been producing for it. Mm-hmm. So obviously Pinnacle Entertainment Group are the... Yeah, they're the people who've made the core system. Yeah. yeah. So we've got Adamant Entertainment, Atomic yeah. Overmind Press, Battlefield yeah. Press, Fun-Sized Game... Oh, mm-hmm. God, this list is... And AAA's games yeah, are probably it's... the biggest. Savage Mojo, they have done... And Savage Suzerain. Savage Mojo did the art for What's All Is New. Nice. Uh, Savage Suzerain as well. They did like really high levels have a twelves play, mm. so that's like pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, sitting AAA games as you mentioned is on a mm. whole load of stuff. So yeah. we've got Necropolis, Sundered Skies, Hellfrost. Hellfrost. That was basically my first game of Savage. Lots Savage of adventures. Yeah. They... Daring tales of chivalry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Daring tales of the space lanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sundered Skies would be a sort of a diesel punk setting. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, and they've got stuff like Interface Zero, which is essentially a sub. Mm. I think that's in a couple of re-releases. There's mm. the Weird Wars setting. So there's Day After Ragnarok, which is Atomic Overmind Press, it looks like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else have we got? We've got Sherwood, The Legend of Robin Hood from mm-hmm. Battlefield Press. Yeah. Gaslight, Victorian Fantasy and Eldritch Skies. And there, there's also stuff like, I've got a setting for Wizard of Oz. Okay. Wait, uh, and Weird Wars Rome. Which is essentially you're playing Roman legionaries, mm. except with a touch of Cthulhu mythos because some very strange things mm. are happening. 
But I'm just looking at some of the ones that are sort of from the official Pinnacle Entertainment Group. So we've got Evernight, East Texas University, yeah, 50 yeah. Fathoms, Necessary Evil, Super Villains Must Rise Where Heroes Fall. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a superior weapon. Obviously, Rippers, yeah. horror role-playing in the Victorian age. I always like Victorian role-playing for some reason. I'm not sure why. I, oh, oh ab- absolutely. Yeah, Rippers, um, I actually know a fair bit about. Mm-hmm. That's um, another setting that I'd like to play in. And essentially, you sort of have, like, the full... It's basically a lot of Hammer Horror-inspired stuff. Yeah. And you have uh, Ripper Tech, which is sort of a steampunk-style meets magic mm. major tech sort of technology uh which yeah it looks it looks really interesting it's just like finding time to learn about and play it it's fun um, we've got solomon kane which you mentioned already we've got the weird yeah. war stuff deadland stuff which you've already mentioned mm-hmm. um lots of deadland stuff <laughs> yes yes deadlands is very popular a bunch of sort of standalone stuff like pirates of the spanish main space 1889 mm. yeah um, Space 1889 would be like the British Empire takes over Mars. Okay. A big old yeah. range of genre toolkits. We've got fantasy, science fiction, pulp, horror, yeah. Yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, big list of adventures there. Yeah, you've also got like the last parsec. That's uh, been very popular. There's a, so there's a lot of material to support. To support. Yeah. The, the, the big weaknesses for Savage Worlds, from my point of view, mm-hmm. are that they are very keen to have it be a miniatures-based game. Oh, I didn't realise that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's it's really heavily pushing towards that. Yeah. And I don't want it to be a miniatures-based oh, game. I thought it was all theatre of the mind, that one. Oh, I, I read it as theatre of the mind. completely misunderstood. Yeah, well, I mean, part of the uh, box set that they're offering is a couple of templates, like a sort of a flame cone template and a different sized explosion template. Hmm. And, okay. and yeah, you don't have to play it. I'm sure you can do grid. both, yeah. Like, yeah, like, you don't have to play 5th Ed D&D on a grid. The grid is always there, but sometimes it's more or less visible. Well, but they're, they're... as I read the rules of 5th Ed D&D, you have to have a one-to-one scale grid mm-hmm. of actual five-foot squares, presumably in a large car park or open field of some kind, and you need to move, the players need to stand in their appropriate square and move accordingly. Isn't that how you play D&D? Well, yeah, I mean, that's why uh, mounted combat's so unpopular, because actually getting the horses in can be quite tricky. <laughs> no, I just write Django. It just it works. <laughs> I, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> that's what we need, more chariots in D&D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I really, really should try Savage Worlds out. What, what else is there? What else would you sort of like to talk about as far as Savage Worlds goes? Well, it's a, it's a very, very flexible system. Did you say it's like your favourite system? You say it's when you've played a lot. It's I, I, I played it and I tried to run it a lot because I've been very keen on trying to get a generic system to allow me to do a large series of adventures mm. and to bring together, like, because I've got these sort of settings bubbling away in my mind, but it's actually running them. So I've, uh, I found something that might be a bit fun to do. Oh, yes. Uh, so, you know those, like, tests you can do when you answer these questions and they tell you which, like, D&D class you are? Well, I've done online quizzes before, yes. Well, it's one of them. I reckon uh, I reckon we should both give it a go and see what uh, we end up being. Ah, uh, amazing. Yes, let's do it. So I found this one. It's for 5th edition D&D. Yes. Um, covers the 12 base classes plus the Artificer and the Mystic, so 14 in total. Ooh. This is, by the way, by uh, someone called Sir Zedanius. Uh, over on uquiz.com. We'll put the link in the show notes for anyone that wants to give it a try. Right, start quiz. 
Here we go. Bum, Number one. Bum, bum. What is your style? Mind, magic, or guile? Ooh. That's a surprisingly tough question. Uh, let's go with might and magic. Might and magic. Who says mages have to be squishy? That's... Next. There's ten questions, by the way. Yep. What is the best way to better oneself and become great? Experience. Trying as many different things as possible. You need to take a bruise to learn how to deal with pain. Yeah, that last one sounds more like me. Yeah, yeah. okay. You like making mistakes and learning from them. Uh, yeah, basically. Okay. Also keen on making mistakes, but like okay. it, doing things is way to learn. This is an interesting question. So, you know when you're sort of like out having a, having a pint at the pub? Mm. And you get into a fight, as you frequently do. Oh. <laughs> uh, Friday. So, so far at away. what range do you prefer to fight, is the question. Oh, I would say probably medium. Medium, right in the middle where I can jump in whenever I'm most needed. Yes. Okay, next. What is your weapon of choice? Mm-hmm. So uh, basically you sword and shield preference. Sword and shield, okay. That was easy. Yep. Weapon paired with a shield for protection. You supplement your martial prowess with... Advanced combat techniques, Uh mobility, poisons, traps, curses, something along those lines, Uh magic or supernatural abilities, Uh rage, or martial prowess. Uh, I would say probably mobility. Mobility. Yes. Okay. Mobility it is. That's five of ten you've done now. Number Ah. six. What is the best source of power? Oh, I know this one. A power source that's not bigger than my own head. What? Evil overall this, man. Check it out. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not one of the options. Well, of course. The best source. It, it, I just said it was a terrible source of power. Okay. It would have gone the best source of power. Put it together for us. Come on. I guess. Power. Power. Probably mind, to be fair. Mind. Yeah. An active mind. The drive to gather knowledge and the ability to reason and apply that knowledge. Yes, definitely. That's you, is it? Yep. You reckon? Yep. Okay, if you say so. Don't make me beat your cereal <laughs> <lunch> for me. <laughs> Ooh. Question number seven of yep. ten. What do you think of animals? Cats are awesome. That's not one of the options. Damn it. Right, what have we got? Tasty. No. Nope. Great beasts are worthy prey. No. Nope. Animals are better company than people most of the time. Fair. Summoning magical creatures to help in battle is pretty useful. Uh, yeah, can't argue with that. Never really liked animals. Nah. The natural world is fascinating. Yeah. They're all right. I would probably go with uh, summoning creatures to do my dirty work for me. Okay. So you're like summon the rat and make it run across the trap. Yeah. It's evil and mean. Well, I'd probably get the rat to like true, true through the trigger thing so that it would activate and I'd keep my rat intact. Because good rats are hard to come by. How much magic would you be willing to learn is the next question. Would you dedicate your life to it or would you not do it at all and there's various options in between? Like, I'd do a bit, but there's got to be easier ways to get stuff done. Uh, Probably what synergize with the rest of what I know. Okay, such as a little touch of magic occasionally. Yeah. How good are you in social situations? Uh, Not bad. Do all right. Average? Do you believe you have a certain magnetism? Yeah, to be fair. <laughs> I know you disagree. <laughs> oh, you're the only one answering this. Okay, oh. if you say so. Oh. Uh, well, high opinion of yourself. Uh, what would you say was your greatest asset? Mm. 
This is uh, ability, names, strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, or wisdom and charisma. Wisdom. Wisdom. Mm-hmm. Are you perceptive and insightful? Yes. Okay. So that's it. That's 10 questions. Okay. Let's find out. You are a druid. That's right. Uh, you draw power from nature itself and channel it into powerful magic. I'm not going to like read the entire description no. of a druid there, but we there know. you go. You are a druid. I know what a druid is. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Is that what you would have gone for? Would you have expected that? Uh, well, I'd certainly approve of taking a bear through a sword fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see what I am then. Okay, Russ, what's your style? Magic, might, or guile? I reckon a little bit of might and a little bit of guile. Ooh, might and guile. Tough and nimble. Love it. Okay, what's the best way to better oneself and become great? So it's bank robbing isn't an option there. Uh, it depends upon what you reckon. Hardworking study and or dedicated discipline? Probably not. That probably is the best way, but it's probably not my way. Uh, I, that, I understand. Is that the question that had to make lots of mistakes and eventually get it right option? Yes. That you had. Yeah, yes. I'll go with that too. It's a good size choice. Uh, what range do you prefer to fight? I reckon I'd be, prefer to be close up, actually. First line of defence to my friends and fear incarnate to my enemies. Blam. Weapon of choice? Heavy two-hander? Trident submarine. Trident submarine. Uh, who needs weapons when you've mastered magic? <laughs> no, weapon of choice, I reckon probably... Let's go, let's go unarmed. Unarmed. An my body is my primary weapon. You supplement your martial prowess with advanced combat techniques? Probably not. Rage. Yeah, let's go with rage. rage. I don't think I'm a barbarian there. This is going to come out as barbarian, but uh, yeah, yeah, let's maybe. go with rage. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, bam. Uh, best source of power? Spirit. An unflinching spirit. The ability to stick by your beliefs and not give up in the face of adversity. What do you think of animals? Uh, better than people. Oh, okay. How much magic would you be willing to learn? So I reckon I am willing to learn magic to the extent that I need it for the task at hand. What's the closest uh, option for that? Well, magic would have to be an important part of my skill set, but I can't focus exclusively on that. I guess it would be that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let me guess that. Uh, how good are you in social situations? Average. Average. Not kind of a loner by nature? Yeah, maybe I am a little bit. Let's go with yeah. that then. Or animals love me? Oh, you meant like with people? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. Uh, I'm kind of a loner by nature. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I didn't go with that. I went with like people like me. Because they do. I'm awesome. And which is your key stat? Strength, dex, con, int, whiz, or charisma? I guess probably int. Okay. I, I guess. I don't know. You possess the drive to learn, the capacity to retain a great deal of knowledge, and develop logical reasoning. Oh, that seems reasonable. Yes. You're a monk. Hey! There you I'm go. a monk. Wow. Fantastic. Nice. I don't feel like a monk. Nice. Well, maybe a drunken master. <laughs> hey. hey! There we go. Yes, there you go. You got it in one. There we go. That was that was the quiz. That was mildly amusing, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think I think that's probably about it for today, Peter. Oh no! So soon? Well, it has been like an hour and a half. Fair enough. If the listeners wanted to hear the entire hour and a half, yes. they probably need to sort of find some way in which they could find out where the content that doesn't make it into the final cut ends up maybe in, I don't know, let's say like a separate sort of edited uh, like podcast sort of, uh, with yeah, extra sort of content. An, an extra material where our 
timeless and witty words of wisdom, pearls of wisdom, dare I say, (laughs) that drop from our lips, like, you know, so many snowflakes upon Canada. Uh, for then, yeah, they could listen to our our they could subscribe to our Patreon and enjoy it, mm. and they would be right to do so. For one dollar a month, they have exclusive access to all the amazing stuff we say, which is, I'm afraid, just terribly not on topic. And also, more importantly, it helps support this podcast. So we can keep it going. We would love for you to support it. We are very aware of our patrons. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. If you can bring us even one dollar a month, that gets by i mean but if one dollar's not too much just say ten dollars that's absolutely fine as well your editor daryl here our patreon exclusive episode at patreon.com slash morris this week includes the saga of morris's ipad battery interesting facts about elephants a special guest appearance by alexa the alternate take of this week's sketch more discussions about savage worlds and game design the complete uncut what DD class are you quiz plus i actually take a crack at it two additional entries in our favorite game in all the world, and more totaling well over half an hour of additional content. If you want access to all this, plus all of our past Outtakes and Deleted Scenes episodes, all you have to do is become a patron at patreon.com slash morris and help support the show. Uh, also, if you do need to contact us for any reason, if you've got any comments on the show, if you've got any reviews you want to send in, any yeah. corrections, any observations, anything you just want to say that's just interesting or funny, um, you can always contact us at morrispodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. Remember, if I've said something wrong, which does happen on a frequent basis, I need to know. Yeah. And if you're interesting, we might even read it out on the podcast. Uh, yeah. yeah, so thank you so much for listening. That is us done for all this week. Uh, it's goodbye from him. It's goodbye from me and him. Uh, goodbye. And goodbye. I genuinely believe that that was the most interesting, informative and entertaining podcast I've ever listened to. What? No, I was listening to The Infinite Monkey Cage with Professor Brian Cox. The Morris podcast is rubbish. I don't understand why anyone would listen to it. I think I shall lock Russ and Peter in a tiny room and play Rick Astley's greatest hits on repeat to them for a week. Maybe that will make them think twice about not being the best podcasters in the world.